I think the witch can change forms, which we know because she became the hot witch when she seduced Caleb. And if you can become a hot witch, I think you can become a bunny. Hey, this is Alon. And this is David. And welcome to I Finally Watched, where today I finally watched The Witch. And I also finally watched The Witch. So, Alon, I guess I'll start us off. Um, I really had to talk you into to watching this one. I don't like horror movies, David. And I do, I do not. But I, I actually, so horror movies usually don't get to me. And I kind of only watch them just to see if they will scare me. Um, but I don't really like, like gory movies. I, I stay away from like Saw and Hostel, which I, they're a type of horror, but I just, you know, I don't really consider them like the horror that I would watch. But this is, it's kind of a part, the witch is, you could say almost the start of like this newer wave of horror movies or, or, or at least part of that wave of not being very scary and intense without having to show you a lot of like gory or just for lack of a better term, fucked up things to like <laughs> make you scared or freaked out. Well, the thing is though, is that for me, it's kind of like the, you, you can't look away syndrome with, 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 uh, so I don't hate all horror films, but I am with you. Like, I'm not a huge fan of like over gore and over, you know, just to be the most disgusting just because you can. Um, right. And, and I do kind of like this suspense. You don't know what's coming next. Uh, thriller, I would say. Um, it's so horrible that you can't, <laughs> that you can't or won't want to look away. Um, I think we discussed this before, but, you know, upon our second wa uh, rewatch of this, it's really not scary at all. Because once you know that uh, what, what the buildup and suspense eventually uh, crescendos to, crescendo, right? I'll allow it. Okay. Um, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And and there's no like uh over glorification of of blood and gore in this. Um I guess I would say goreification. No, no you you don't need to do that. Okay. Well, um and because of that, I think this is kind of an easy watch to people who are not uh, a fan of horror movies like I. And this one was interesting. I've, I've just, just on the period piece alone, I don't think I've ever seen a horror based movie set in like the 1600s, which is so interesting to me. Uh, yeah. And while I don't really, I don't know the, whole history of horror because like i said neither you or i are that interested in it um what i do like is that using that sort of motif for the story that setting and i liked the way 
that the director slash writer, it's Robert Edgars, I think he, he's both, the way he sets the story up in that he sets it in this time where everyone sort of has this knowledge about that time of, you know, the Salem witch trials and like starting the new world. And then he just it kind of, you're expected to have that sort of background of it. And then he just sort of goes. And even like the start of the movie, he kind of leaves it very vague of like why the father and is moving his family out of this, out of this Commonwealth area with all these other people and, and going off on his own because he kind of feels that they're not Christian enough. And all that setup is done within two minutes. And then you're like, all right, bam, we're in the middle of the forest with this pilgrim family by themselves trying to make it in the new world. And that's the setup. And it's like within a couple of minutes. And so it's really well done that way. Honestly, just the thought of like being in a place where you're just settling, you know, the, the, the world is just settling in this new land and you're in the middle. Um, you've like separated yourself from the only people, you know, who has uh, come over on the boat with you. And, you know, it's just like, it's 1600 something like, take away the witch and for me that's scary enough no absolutely yeah just being next to these dark woods every night especially in the beginning when they're just camping by themselves like imagine just going to another country and just camping even if it's like a like an industrialized nation i'm still like i don't want to do that like i have no idea what this is like so yeah going to a place where you think you're conquering it and there's these natives that you think are you know evil or savage or whatever and you're just going out just your family with one main male head for protection and then a mother and then a bunch of young people who you know wouldn't be of much help if something went down like you're stranded i mean if if even the tiniest thing goes wrong you and your entire family is absolutely screwed and you know the male head the father is not a very competent dude in this movie i think at one point you 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 know he can't um the daughter kind of calls him out on he can't grow anything he can't hunt he can't really like keep track of his kids very well um he lies i mean he's just kind of he's not wood he cuts wood and that's about all he does. Um, and I like it at the end of the movie, how much wood he has actually cut <laughs> that you see the huge pile. Um, and he's just buried by all the wood he's cut that every time he like is upset with himself, I will say to give him credit. Cause this is, I thought I started having throughout the second watch and towards the end of the second watch of the movie. Um, the house he built. And then there's this side house that we never go into. And then there's the hut for the, the goats yeah that was super impressive like that whole thing he built a two-story house with a chimney presumably just by himself with the help of his children had to be so like you know let's give the dude some credit he was able to do that but i i feel like that's like basic pilgrim things like you gotta gotta know how to go out and build a build a house well, um, then with the corn, though, I assume that's like, I'm just going to say that was probably like bewitched and that's not his fault. Yeah, well, I mean, for some reason, at the beginning of the movie, they're caught like praying 
that was alarming to me at the, the beginning of the movie where he's just like face down in the dirt and I was like and it was right before um or it was right after they went camping that shot of them camping and I was like oh we're just jumping into it like he's face down in the dirt something's something's up and then it's just like oh they're just praying but they were praying to basically be like oh this is holy land like this is blessed fields and just like nothing grows everything goes wrong and what's even crazier is that not only does nothing grow is that there's no wild animals to hunt there's just like a rabbit and that's it yeah well i will say i think they were praying just to be thankful for that land because they found this clearing next to these woods with a, a, a water source nearby. And so that is a pretty good spot and it seems like it's unclaimed. So yeah, I, I guess you find out there's a reason it's unclaimed, but I, I think that was why they were doing that. Well, the, the other thing too I noticed is in a hour and a half movie that is a horror movie, there's so much detail put into the story and a lot of it's, you know, obvious when you're paying attention to it, but some of it you're like, what is, what is being said here? One thing I noticed in the beginning is as they're leaving like the Commonwealth that they've been kicked out of, there's like three Native Americans walking in and kind of looking at them. Yeah. And I have no idea what the point of that was, but it's like, it has to be, it had to have meant something. I didn't look it up, but the, the, what I did get from it is that you're kind of in the hands of someone who knows what he's doing, or at least knows the story he's trying to tell because there's so much thought put into like, just thinking about having to make a movie, you'd have to order those costumes and like set out like for this movie that you're probably trying to keep a low budget on. Like, no, we need three native Americans for some reason to add to this whole like motif theme we've got going of these pilgrims. And like, this has to be and for, a three second scene we need this put in the the only thing i can think about the the native americans is is what's so crazy is that you know you you know the pilgrims um all those stories that you hear um they hate each other you know they're always at war over land and food and and whatnot um but they seemed pretty peaceful the only thing i could think of it's like hey you know the commonwealth even accepts indians and we're kicking your ass out. Like, that's the only thing I can get from why they bothered showing it. Well, maybe the father didn't like that they were dealing with Native Americans. And so he's like, just, I got to get out of here. Maybe he's so, a racist. Yeah. So on top of him being completely incompetent, he's also a racist. Um, just the, theory. The, the thing that I noticed on my second watch of this movie about them when, they, when they're leaving the gates of the Commonwealth is that Thomason, the main girl, um, the daughter, the oldest daughter of the family, she is the only one looking back at the Commonwealth. Everyone is either on the other side of the carriage, um, you know, driving the carriage away, or looking down or to the side. And she's the only one looking back. She's also the only one who leaves the church last. Um, even her brother had to like be like, hey, Thomason, let's go. And there's a lot of this like feeling left behind I get from her. Uh, and towards you know the end of the story, she's the only one left of her family. Spoiler alert. Um, 
but there's this definite need of her to like this want of staying together that she just keeps getting ripped apart um and and basically being left alone in any situation yeah and i think uh the opening of once they kind of have the house built and they have this new property they're they're living on um thomason you know is giving this prayer and kind of repenting for all her sins and all the things that she's done wrong um and i think it's one a good setup for what this family is who this family is their beliefs and like you know setting up what the, the kind of the struggle is going to be for them with all these like bad events that are you know happening to them but then two to set up her character is a little bit of a um trying not to do a pun because that's kind of your thing but like a black sheep of that family in that um she doesn't seem to be as strong a believer as the rest of them she's willing to to stray a little bit farther and um so I think that that opening uh, of her looking back and then of her, you know, doing this prayer um, is is pretty uh, is a pretty good setup for her. Speaking of black sheep, um, Black Philip the goat. Do you think that he was actually communicating with the twins, or do you think the twins are full of shit? So it's super vague throughout, and this is gonna. I think it's better to talk about the end, but we can do it now. Um, because Mercy, the, the twin daughter, um, when she finds Thomason and Caleb at the water, getting water and then cleaning their father's um, their clothes, she's like, oh, uh, Black Philip told me that a witch took him and I saw the witch running in the woods talking about the baby Samuel, which we'll go back to. Um, and then she just, you know, she constantly says Black Philip talks to her. And it's just like either the biggest coincidence that, you know, spoiler alert, this is like the devil incarnate in this, in this animal, or that she has been spoken to by the devil. And it's interesting, too, that in the end, I, I think the director purposely leaves it vague, but in the end, when they're all... Um, locked up in the in the gate enclosure and then they see the witch you don't see what happens to the twins at all like they just disappear and the mom even asks and uh, thompson's like i have no idea and so it's just like completely left up like were they were they taken which is what i guess you can assume and uh -huh. kind of met a similar fate as as the, the baby or you know were they always kind of a part of this you know so i i lean towards more they're just full of shit and you know, this whole society, including the Commonwealth, like believes in these in these witches and they they have these folk tales and fairy tales and things that they pass along to each other. And so, you know, the, this is something these kids could have just picked up along the way. You know, it's kind of crazy to me. Um, well, hold on. I'm going to go back to the twins first, just quickly. When they're in the locked in the barn for the night and the witch is, I guess, eating the white goat um she turns and they scream and then it cuts to thomason and i watched the movie twice with subtitles on um not subtitles captions on uh and <laughs> if you want like kind of a funny thing while watching this do it with captions on because it says the funniest things whenever there's like just a noise uh -huh. um 
at the end it was like snake chanting or snake-like chanting and i was like that's kind of funny to to put in but um well i watched it with subtitles and i, I the the thing i noticed the most and we didn't talk about the music but we can later it's just like in uh, music uh, intense music starts playing or and then like music intensifies it's just like <laughs> How many times that they said that probably like fifty times in this movie? Uh, I would not know that that the music was mainly women chanting or like women like operatic women voices, unless my subtitles told me it was operatic women voices. <laughs> right. Um, no, but when it cuts to Thomason's face and the witch is in the barn with them, um, and I didn't hear this the first time, and I and I kind of backed it up to to catch it. But the my caption said choking sound, and you can hear like someone is being strangled, and I think that's what happened to the twins is that the witch was strangling them. Um, so that's just kind of something I caught on my second watch. But moreover, um, when I say the twins are full of crap, I meant more so during Caleb's like death scene. Um, and they were like, oh, I can't remember the prayer. And then they fell silent for like hours until the father like picked up and shook him. And then, oh, now he's awake. It was like, was that just, were they faking that? I don't know. I think, I mean, that's what I took it as, but it's also somewhat implausible that like, what, five, six-year-olds could stay still for a prank for I mean, <laughs> hours on end. You you say that, but I mean, that's exactly what a five and six year old would do. I guess that's commitment. Um, I do want to go back. So let's go back to the, it's kind of the first graphic disturbing part of the movie. And it's, it's in the trailer, but um, the, the main character, Thomason, who's played by uh, Anya Taylor-Joy. So, when she takes the baby out and kind of into like a little meadow area near the house and is just playing peekaboo with him. Um, and then the, I think the acting is so great when she does the final peekaboo and then just like the way she's able to slowly show the realization on her face. And then you and I were talking about this before we recorded, but you, you look up at the woods, the camera does, and you see like one twig moving and then like a bush moving up top. Um, that whole shot and scene is just like so perfectly done and so, so terrifying, I guess, as, as a, a human yeah. <laughs> just to watch. Well, what's, what's so interesting about this movie is that it scares you in ways that you do not expect to be scared. I think the most common ways to be scared are like jump scares or something, um, you know, gory or gr uh, grotesque is coming at you. And this does it in such a silent manner, I would say, um, that sometimes the scariest part is the music or lack thereof music. That just freaks me the fuck out. Um, I'm, I could watch, I could just listen to the soundtrack and be <laughs> super creeped out by this movie. Um, but visually, without it kind of like, you know, jump scaring you visually with, um, in the beginning, she, she's harvesting, um, or not harvesting, but she's gathering eggs from the chicken coop. She drops an egg and 
instead of a yolk, it's like a dead baby chicken. It's like all bloody. And it's like, it's not scary, but it just adds more to the creep factor of this whole situation. Right. And then even with once the witch takes the the baby, you know, they don't show anything, but they let you know what happens. And it's like, one, you can never have a a very well done movie that like shows you a baby that I don't even think like I've ever seen a movie where someone's like daring enough to try that. And I probably would turn it off if they did. But the the way they do it of showing her put the knife and then her bathing in something red, which you can assume is just the baby. It's baby like paste. That, that scene is so like horrifying to watch. And I you know, we've talked about before how like I sort of just like give myself into movies and I'm just like take everything at face value and just watch and it's like it almost becomes like a part of real life when I watch it. So I'm not like like looking to question things in movies but this not that I was like chanting it to myself but I was just like watching it almost sort of like not an out-of-body experience but just like I'm this is a movie like I'm realizing this is a movie the whole time and so it didn't get to me as much as it would if I had like given myself to it and just like taken it you know what I mean still creepy yeah but it's like I couldn't sit there and watch it and be like in my normal the normal way I watch a movie I mean, when she's kind of like lathering the baby paste all over her body. Good God. It's, it's, you know, it's what it is, but because they don't show her actually like killing the baby and, you know, mushing it up. um, You, I feel like it's easy to kind of just separate yourself to be like, okay, well, it is just a movie. Um, but when she turns herself into the crow in the moonlight, that was really creepy for me. I think that was creepier than like the scenes preceding it. I didn't get it, her turning into a crow. She like lathers up the, the blood all over her body and then she lathers it up on this really long stick, which is kind of a broom. And then I almost took it as her like flying off. Yeah, well, so I think that's what they wanted you to think, because visually it started on her, I guess, you know, her head in the moonlight and the silhouette of her hair kind of flowing. But as it kind of like backed out, she was what looked to me was like a bird perched on a branch. Um, but you get a lot of visualization from animals during the movie too which so i i wouldn't see it as so far-fetched as her being a crow because i'm pretty sure at one point she was a freaking rabbit yeah she's a bunny yeah um and we'll we'll get to that second one thing i wanted to talk about is a lot of a lot of of the themes in this movie are pride and guilt and blame and one thing is like obviously Thomason, you know, blames herself. And I was talking earlier about all the little kind of details the director puts in this. But you know, as she's going to get the water um, right after Samuel disappears, she spills the water, and you can just see it in her eyes. Like I can't get anything right. Like you know, I'm screwing up so much. And then later on, she just when her mother's yelling at her, like, "Why can't you love me? Why can't I have favor in your eyes?" But then one thing I really noticed. Um, there's a scene where uh, the father tells Caleb, hey, we're going to go into the woods. And Caleb's like, you always made us promise never to go in there. 
he's like, well, I sold your mother's silver cup. I bought some um, things, uh, what do you get, some traps uh, to catch, you know, to catch animals because we need food. And um, I almost felt like this was sort of setting up that the father is sort of responsible for all of this because they have these like tenants they live by where it's like you don't lie you don't sin and yet he he stole he lied he deliberately did something that they weren't supposed to do by going into the woods and you could almost maybe make the argument that they like disturbed the witch's territory because he said oh he started setting these traps before samuel even disappeared and it's like all right well did you kind of let these you know did you disturb these witches and now they know you're there and like you're the you know so it's kind of this movie logic of like is the father responsible and in the end right at the end of the movie he starts you know praying to god like smite me for what happened you know help my children but this is all my fault and so i just thought that was really interesting and cool well another thing that kind of brings question to the movie um is why that family like if the goat is satan and uh, like what makes the family so damn special that like satan himself would take what like a couple months to absolutely torment this family i mean that's what satan does what else is he gonna do i mean i guess you're right but like i feel like there's better things satan can do i don't know but it's just kind of like what 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 puts the the target what puts the bullseye on this family and maybe you're right maybe it is the father um maybe it is cursed land or maybe no reason at all and it's just kind of fun to do this to a family on satan's day off um satan never takes a day off (laughs) but the the thing is though is that you're kind of throughout the movie trying to put logic to why is this happening to this family um but they keep it vague they don't really tell you why and that's kind of the part of the creepiness too because i think it's like well what did they do and you damn sure uh make sure that you don't do it too well i think it's also i found it funny which is you know effed up whatever but the father when he's consoling the mother after samuel's gone he's like you know how 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 gracious has god been how lucky are we that we've never lost a son before like this is our first baby gone just because in those times like losing a child was not something that was uncommon and so him him to just tell her like hey you know this is our first one so you know we should be consider ourselves blessed I also think it was pretty creative how like the witch had Caleb who was the oldest son in her her grasp and it would have been kind of just boring I guess if just another son went missing in the woods and you know no one knows what happens to him but the fact that she sent him back to die in front of them I was like wow quite a uh you know invented yeah well it almost seems like they were after thomason to turn her like maybe that was the whole witch plot was if they send caleb back and they create divisiveness within the family you know hopefully thomason can come out on top the devil took out the dad eventually yeah and then so, i mean the witch and, and the twins 
did the devil take out the twins or did the witch take out the twins? It's, it's, I think it's a team effort, Alon. I don't okay. know that they go back and are like, okay. you get two bodies and I get, okay. you know what I mean? Well, and then, of course, at the very end, Thomason ends up taking out her mother, who ends up being, I don't know how I feel about the mother character. Because I don't think she really did anything that deserved anything like the father. I feel like when the father died, he kind of deserved it because he was kind of like a, a fuck up. But when the mother died, she was way too, what is it? Like harsh on everyone. Um, yeah, she was very, I mean, you could say very judgmental, um, unforgiving. Mm-hmm. What's interesting too is that at the end when she's attacking uh, Thomason, she looks like a prototypical witch, you know, crazy hair, her facial features, and like the the looks in her eyes. She she comes off like, like I could if if they had just been like uh, if the twist had been that she was doing this the whole time, and then you know what I mean, like it wouldn't have been unbelievable for me. Yeah, I thought, you know, I thought when uh, Thomason cut her face, something, some sort of reveal, I think I was just to have the creepy factor of her being covered in, in blood. Um, but pardon the pun, but Thomason becomes a scapegoat for the uh, the witch and, and all the blame went on her. But it, I, I kind of like that because in the end it was kind of like, oh, the witch and the you know satan didn't really need to take out the family the family basically started taking out themselves well and two and one thing i noticed is uh mercy the the one of the twins she in the beginning kind of tells everyone you know uh black phillip speaks to me he's the devil a witch stole the baby and if they had just believed her you know they could have gotten the hell out of there and then in the end thomason's like hey, there's a witch that did this. I didn't do this. You've got to believe me, but they wouldn't believe her. They believe she was a witch. And so it's right. like they they self-imploded. Well, Thomason really fucked up because when she was like to mercy and she was like, oh, I'm the witch of the wood, you know? And then they like took that to heart and she's like, oh, I was just kidding. But then what what was kind of unbelievable to me is is during that scene, again, back to the Caleb dying scene, is how the parents just believed these two very young children. Like, oh yeah, these kids say that you're the witch, so you're the witch. You turn the goat's milk into blood, so you must have turned the milk goat's milk into blood. And it was like, nowadays, it's like parents would never believe five and six-year-olds over like a, a how old is she supposed to be, 14, 15? uh yeah well they say she's becoming a woman so yeah i don't i'm not exactly sure yeah she's she was 19 in real life when this was made so that part's a little weird to me because caleb looks to be like 14 i think yeah um what what i also like too is the way they set up the the story in that you have the bunny that they see and you, you can tell from the music that this is sums up with this bunny. And then the father tries to shoot it and the gun backfires into his eye. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see the bunny, it's in the, the goat house. 
basically. Yeah. And it kind of freaks Thomason out. And then the next time she tries to milk the goats, there's blood. And then the so next time. You're saying the bunny is like a bad omen. No, I'm saying the bunny's the witch. I think the witch can change forms, which we know because she became the hot witch when she seduced Caleb. And if you can become a hot witch, I think you can become a bunny. <laughs> and a crow. Don't forget, don't forget about the crow. I'm, you know. But even Caleb said in his, like, uh, trance that, you know, she's a cat, she's a crow, she's a freaking frog, you know. She, he named all these things that she could turn into. Right. I, but I think the way they have, like, the bunny in there, you're like, oh, what does that even mean? And then you have the next time she tries to milk the goats, blood comes out. And then the next time you see the goats when they're trapped in there, uh, the witch is, you know, basically feasting on them. Um, I thought that was like just really well done. It, it's also like, I was trying to get the timeline of it from the second watch, which I was able to figure all out how it was done so well. So like that part was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'll just stick with cool. It's a it's an incredibly well paced movie, um, you know. It's an hour and a half, but it just flows. It just like like you said, the setup when they initially leave the Commonwealth, and from there, um, I seriously I looked at the uh, at the timer, uh, the timeline of it twice, and I first I was like twenty minutes in, and I was like, oh, that didn't feel like twenty minutes. And the next time I looked at it, I had 20 minutes left. And I was like, where did my hour go? Because um, it was just so bam, bam, bam. One thing led perfectly you know, to the next. And then the only time that I was disrupted with, with the flow of it was at the very end when she fell asleep on the table and she woke back up. That's when I felt like, okay, now we're coming into the end game what is happening and for me the ending the the very ending of the movie was different uh from the entire rest of the movie well i also think the scenes with the witch there are two scenes with the witch and then there's the ending i think all three of those scenes feel wise are different than the rest of the movie at least to me um Especially the the so the first the first scene with the witch when she's running through the woods with the red cape, I'm almost getting like little red riding hood vibes, you know, because you got the red hood, obviously, but just like it's it's got this fairy tale feel to it of like this wicked witch running through with a stolen baby. Like it's the rest of it's, you know, this frontiersman, you know, pilgrim story, and then that part of it just so felt so different. Like Upon rewatching it, those were the scenes like I walked up to my TV and was like paying careful, careful attention to because it was like, like I, what, I don't you know, I don't want to miss any part of it. And then like what I noticed with the second scene too, which was, I thought was so cool, is as she's bringing Caleb into with you know seducing him, when they show Caleb's faces, like his eyes are missing. They weren't missing, but there was just shadows completely over his eyes. You couldn't see his eyes as he's being brought in. I thought that was really cool. It was almost like he's being, you know, he's being blinded by like the truth. He knows that he shouldn't be doing this, but like he's being brought in because of, you know, they, they set up the way he looks at Thomas and that he's like really interested in sex right now. Like it's really important to him. 
and he's yeah. stuck with just his family out here. Um, but I agree too that the the last scene where she starts communicating with Black Phillip and then going into the woods, that's like completely different than the rest. I mean, yeah. Like you said, from from like a fairy tale point of view, you have the Red Hood and it's kind of like this um, wolf in sheep's clothing where in the story, Little Red Riding Hood is innocent. But you know at that point that the witch is the predator of this family. Um, And then, you know, like Hansel and Gretel sort of type of thing where it's like this like really weird cat... a hut in the woods. Uh, the the thing about the the witch that I don't think quite makes it quite clear is that from every time we see her, because the first time we see her, she's old, and then she's young, and then she's old again, assuming that it's the same witch. Because at the end, you see kind of this coven of witches. Um, so was one of them the bunny, you know, you kind of, it, it kind of doesn't let you take a break and thinking, okay, were they being tormented by this one specific witch or was it all these witches or all the women that you see at the end, was this happening to a bunch of families from around the area like Thomason? And it was just like this recruitment base, um, and I feel like because it doesn't spoon feed you all the information and lets your imagination go, it's kind of a interesting ending where it's like, ah, oh, it could be anything you want it to be. Yeah. But I at least think they want that the young witch I think is in the, in the middle that seduces Caleb. I think that's the old witch. And the reason I think that is because when she kisses Caleb, she puts her hand on the back of his head and it's a really old hand. Like, it's not a young woman's hands. It's like an old woman's hand. I think that's their way of saying, like, this is that witch. There's this one scene um, right after she kills her mom. She stands up and she's kind of like, you know, she realizes she's all alone. And she looks out into the woods. And it's this over-her-shoulder shot where you see her out of focus, but you see the woods. I pause that so many times to try to see if I could find something in the woods that's like hidden. Is there like a figure in there? I just, I could not find anything. Yeah. And I will say, you know, there wasn't, there weren't many like unintentional like comedy moments. I I do think though, like when Samuel was stolen, if she had, instead of just running up to the hill and then stopping and being like, oh no, he's gone if she had just gone over the hill, that witch was not moving that fast. She probably could have caught up to her and grabbed the baby back. But could she grab the baby back? Or at that point, would the witch just be like, nah? I don't know how strong that witch is. I'm not sure. I mean, did she need the baby? I feel like she needed the baby to like rejuvenate herself, kind of like Gothel needed like Rapunzel's hair almost. Like she was like, she was- To be young and sexy again? Her tank was on empty, so she needed, you know, baby paste, as you say. Yeah, yeah. And then the first time I watched the ending, I kind of found it laughable. Like, the the Black Phillip basically tells her to get naked, 
and then sign her name in this book Mm -hmm. and she's like i can't write he's like don't worry dummy I'll, i'll sign it for you and then when she went to the other witches and they're all doing this like chanting and alternative dance in the around a fire and then they kind of laugh the first time i saw it i was like this is kind of stupid right um i when i rewatched it tonight though right before this it was probably the only thing that actually creeped me out about the movie really was that ending i thought upon rewatch that it was really well done i i think like we're talking about the the three scenes with the actual witches um that are these fairy tale things which is what like caleb talked about in the begin beginning when thomason you know tells mercy that she's a witch she's like why would you why would you play with these fantasy and fairy tales i think those scenes are supposed to be like these real interpretations on these fairy tales and these nightmares of these witches and i like taking it that way i just it's I think really well done and a really cool idea and so upon rewatch i was like i appreciated it a lot more yeah uh, see i'm not a big fan of like satan shit <laughs> and the, i should uh, no one should be but go on oh uh, you know some people are um no but like if anything like like satan and demons and and hell and stuff like that it really creeps me out but when Apart from the voice, because whoever they got to voice uh, Black Philip, aka Satan, is was so creepy yet so soothing, which I I imagine that's exactly what Satan would sound like. Um, however, when he turns into like one of the Three Musketeers, cool. I was not creeped out at all. I was like, oh, this is. It would have been so much creepier if w- maybe one you saw the voice come out of the goat, or two you just didn't see him at all. You just stayed on her face and you just heard the voice. Cause that I was creeped up until the moment I saw him, and as soon as I saw him, I was like, "Huh, whatever." And then he just turns back into a goat and, and hops turns- along as she's walking naked into the woods. Yeah, yeah. I so the first time I saw it. I didn't actually even notice that there was a dude there. I just saw her because I guess the the screen I was watching on was like a little, you know, it's a dark movie uh, the way it's shot mostly. So I didn't even notice it. And the second time I saw it, I was like, that's a little bit of a weird choice. The the thing that creeped me out the first time I watched it is because I didn't notice his face until halfway through the scene. And then it was just, I just saw it. And I was like, oh, oh, like how long was it there? <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Well, I mean, it is kind of like an awkward choice for the director too, to like, you know, cause he puts his hand, his gloved hand on her and it's like, should he put like a hoof? Yeah. <laughs> you just have a, but then like people are laughing cause it's just like this hoof <laughs> that flops over her shoulder. Yeah. It was kind of a, it was kind of a weird choice. I, I appreciate, I, I really do appreciate the rest of the movie cause I thought the rest of the movie was creepy. Um, but like we said, you know, really, it's not that scary, especially watching it again, knowing where everything comes into play. It's like creepy. And it, but I think that's why it works so well as a horror movie, because I guess you could say that about any horror movie. You watch it for the second time. You know where all the jump scares are. You know how bloody it's going to get. You know what's going to happen. So it's not scary anymore. 
But one thing I would say about this movie, even though you know everything that's going to happen, it's still just as creepy. Oh, absolutely. That's what that was my point. The ending was creepy as hell the second time. And rewatching it, you see all these just moments where you know nothing bad happens. So you're just watching it and you're like, why is this still so creepy? Yeah. Um, David, would you down the line, did you enjoy this movie enough to watch it again? Um, so I don't know if I'd ever need to go out of my way to watch it again. Um, my wife said hard pass on this and and most other horror movies. So it's not like I'm going to have to get her to watch it, but I think it is the type of movie where I enjoy talking with people about it. And so if I could get someone else to watch it by watching it with them, like that's something I'd be willing to do. Um, but really, it just makes me want to watch, you know, th- this movie we were talking about earlier, it doesn't remind me of, of Midsommar in a, like a lot of ways, but it is like this kind of sort of, kind of sort of, it's this like higher concept horror film that's like not overly gory, but like puts these ideas in your head that are disturbing and like sets up this real world potential of like something awful and so it's really enjoyable to watch as just like a cinematic feat of like really a well-done film and so I wouldn't not watch it again yeah I feel I feel a lot of the same way like if I can get someone else to watch this by watching it with them and have a discussion much like we are now um you know Taylor would not watch this uh, with me at all. Um, But I had to explain to her some of the scenes that were happening. And, uh, but she was so, you know, I explained to her one scene completely out of context. And she was like, but why? So I had to explain to her another scene. And then she was like, but why? I was like, see, it is an interesting movie. It does definitely bring up a discussion. Um, I think I, you know, I read a review of this movie that I think sums it up perfectly uh, onto how I feel about this movie. And it it said something along the lines of, it is a horror movie that is great for cinephiles, but not so great for those who love the horror genre. And I think that speaks to me a lot because I hate the horror genre, but I still found this very... Uh, this movie very well done and um, at times quite beautiful. Well, I guess that just means we'll have to find more horror movies that you can do. That I can tolerate, yes. Because I, I did also watch Midsommar and I actually really um, enjoyed it. So they're out there. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. Uh, I'm David. And I'm Alan, and we finally watched The Witch. Bye.